Hello, this is Dan Bender, executive producer of the podcast Singles Network. Today I'm excited to present Single Living, a podcast that brings you straight talk on everything that concerns today's singles, including relationships, dating, travel, and financial security. Single Living is hosted by Rich Goss, a well-respected expert in the singles industry. He is the author of eight books on dating and has lectured on the subject in over 50 colleges and universities. Rich is frequently interviewed by the news media, including Oprah, CNN, Fox News, and the Wall Street Journal, to name just a few. And now, here's the host of Single Living, Rich Goss. My guest today is Dr. Gail Delaney, Ph.D., who is the author of All About Dreams and who is also a relationships coach. And we're going to be talking about romance and we're going to be talking about men and women and who should make the first move and how to conquer the fear of rejection and all those great topics. Welcome, Dr. Gail Delaney. Well, thank you, Rich. I'm glad to be here. First of all, tell us a little bit about the Dreams book. I know that you're now into romantic coaching, but back in the olden days, you were the nation's expert on dreams. And I still love dreams. I still have a practice in the study of dreams. Uh, because when we sleep, we work through the issues of our waking life. And since half of those tend to be about our love relationships, I couldn't help but get involved with romance. Plus, of course, I'm single, so writers inevitably get interested in whatever they're contending with. Well, I, I hear that Oprah was very interested and had you on five times to talk about dreams. Yes, she, she got turned on to dreams when we did a show before she had her Oprah show back in Baltimore, and she was a wonderful promoter from there on out, and I'm so grateful to her. Yes, and then since that time, I think you've been on just about all the shows. Uh, you've been on the Today Show, Good Morning America, the NBC Nightly News, Montel, Sally Jesse Raphael, Red Book Magazine, Cosmopolitan, National Geographic. Is there any media outlet that has not interviewed you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there are some. But uh, I've been on a lot, and, and I've loved it because we have to play that game. The trick is in television as opposed to radio. Things are so quick. Everyone wants to get a joke in, to get something useful out there. And exactly. shows like Oprah really care about getting information out. A lot of other shows don't. They want exactly. to just entertain. Yes. Well, we plan to get some information out on this show on the podcast Singles Network. Let's talk a little bit about romance, and let's talk about men and women, and uh, the first. Uh, who makes the first move. Who do you recommend should make the first move? I recommend that men make the first move, but men since the women's movement have been intimidated. They're afraid of getting very hostile responses. They don't have any TV or movie models like Cary Grant, Fred Astaire, to come up and be rejected and come back again and again to hold their sense of self in the yes. face of rejection. So I try to work with women first and say, women, you need to smile at men. Let them know that they can approach you and you will not offend them. You will not cast them out into the field of mud. And so I encourage women to give men they're interested in even are willing to say hello to, a three-second smile. It's okay. a long time to smile at someone. But it really lets a man know that he can come and say hello and you won't, you won't shame him. So I think it's important for women to give men permission. Many women don't want to make the first move. And my point is that's not so much a move. It's as a friendly invitation. You could say hello and I won't, I won't be awful to you. And right. then I encourage men to get their courage together and realize all men are shy. 
right. women forget that most men are shy. You, you know, I think that's the one. Th- I think that's the one thing that women just don't get in dating. That's the one most important lesson they could learn, and they would be so much more successful with men. All they have to understand is that men basically are cowards. If we start with that premise, we're off to the races. <laughs> and I think if women would take it from the point of view of being kind. The man's in an awkward position of having to say hello. There aren't a lot of social models for it. There aren't a lot of dances where men know how to come up and say hello and may I have this dance and be assured that a woman will be well brought up and always say yes. yes. So understanding men are in a terrible position, I think women have to put themselves out at least to the point of making a smile. A hello wouldn't hurt. It doesn't make them into a harlot to smile to a man and say hello. <laughs> And women are afraid of that. We, we think, oh, they'll think that we're desperate. They'll right. think that we're just, you know, in need of anybody. Not yep. true. One of, the big, one of the big mistakes I think that women make is they're too subtle. And men are not subtle. You have to hit him over the head with a sledgehammer to get his attention. And women have to learn to communicate very, very clearly to a man that she's friendly and she's approachable. You're exactly right about that. And the fundamental piece of men are shy is telling women... Let them know you will welcome them. And then telling men, risk it. If the woman is rude, let it be on her face. It's no egg on your <laughs> face. She's been rude. And a man can always say, well, after he said hello and approached a woman, excuse me, I didn't mean to cause you offense. I hope you have right. a nice day. And, yes. then he, and he has not lowered himself to her level. He's demonstrated to himself he's still a gentleman. And he can go on to the next woman. And courtesy, I think, is the key. There just is not enough civility in our society today. And there are so many women out there that have no concept of how much courage it takes for a man to approach her. And these women just don't have the common courtesy to be nice to a guy, even if he may be inappropriate for her. You know what I wanted to title my book on romance, which I haven't finished yet, but I wanted the title to be Being Kind. And, of course, nobody would buy it because kind <laughs> sounds so boring. But it's the fundamental reality. If you are kindly disposed towards another human being, they feel it, quickly get the messages about it, and everyone does better. Well, you know, Gail, I throw 150 parties a year for singles all over the world. I know you've been to a few of my parties. You are a featured and speaker. Wonderful. Right. And, of course, what happens there is you have all these gentlemen out there that are just scared to death of rejection, and you have all these women standing around desperate for a man to ask her to dance, but she just doesn't realize what she has to do to signal a man to give him the courage to come over, because most men won't just walk over to a strange woman unless he gets a signal from her, kind of like a guy dipping his toe into the water before he jumps in because it might be too cold or too hot. Men want to know whether or not a woman is going to be courteous and friendly. And the women just don't seem to understand that. Meanwhile, the women stand in groups of twos and threes. Right. each other courage. And they might even be sitting and quickly talking to each other. Right. And, have, and, it, and, of course, they don't realize how intimidating it is for a man to walk up to a group of three or four women. He doesn't want to get rejected because it's in front of witnesses. You would think these women lived on a different planet. And I've done <laughs> a bunch of focus groups with men. And I've said, now, come on, men, go up to two and three women. Say hello. You only have to ask one to dance. And they yes. all say, oh, no, not on your life. And every man I've ever had in a group has said, I have been shamed in front of other women. It will never happen again. Yeah. And so what I encourage them to do is, so what? Again, be a gentleman. I'm sorry I didn't mean to offend when obviously yes. you didn't. You just came up and said, hello, ladies. And the trick is, when you come up, is not to interrupt the group. You come, yes. you stand nearby, and then you say, good evening, may I join you? Right. And rather than come in and say, how oh, aren't you, cute little bunch of chicks? That would be another matter. But women are more likely, if you come in gently, 
to take care of you. But it is true, there are a bunch of rude women out there. And and, and to be fair, Gail, there are a lot of rude men out there. And, of course, that's why we have such difficulty in the opposite sex meeting each other is because there are rude men and rude women who give their entire sex a bad name. There are so many out there, uh, so many men out there who are so obnoxious when they approach women. They say obnoxious things. They make uh, obnoxious suggestions to these women. They're just plain rude. And it's the rude men who spoil it for the good guys. And we, the women say, of course, the same thing. How dare those women say no when a man asks them to dance? Any man who can dance, we should praise and have everyone line up to dance with him. Right. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And again, if you think about being kind to someone, say you, you finally make the connection and you're going out on a date and you're very anxious. When you're anxious, either before you make the first connection or when you're on your first date, your anxiety leads you to look either stuck up, self-centered, yes. uh, a braggadocious sort of person, But if instead you say, instead of trying to worry about my performance, I'm going to put this other person at ease, this man or this woman, I'll find out. I'll use my most potent organ. It's my ears. Tell me about yourself. What's your favorite color? What's the thing you've done in the last year of your life that was the most fun? Listen. Find out. Put the person at ease. And I tell you, everyone where I can get that through their heads will come back and say, you know, my first date was fun because there was an interesting person there. I'm usually so worried about how I'm performing that I don't find out much about the other person. Yeah, I always teach people in my classes on meeting the opposite sex. I say, pretend you're Johnny Carson, and your job is not to entertain the other person. Your job is to let them entertain you. Your job is to make them the star of the conversation, just like Johnny made all of his guests the star of his show. And, you know, I just did a focus group with a group of women on what about humor? You know, I help a lot of people write their profiles for the dating websites. Yes. And men who regularly say, I have a great sense of humor. And many women just cringe. They don't want to have to be the audience to corny jokes all night long. (laughs) And many women say, please, save us from your sense of humor. Be careful, (laughs) be pleasant, but don't try to entertain us all night. Find yes. out who we are. Tell us that you, you're curious about me, Gail, as opposed to Maria or Jane, and you get a sense of who Gail is by the end of the night. And many times people don't know that. I think that's probably the biggest mistake that men make, especially on a first date, is they think they have to be the comedian. They think they have to entertain the woman. And really all they have to do is ask a few questions and just shut up and listen. And same with the women. Many yes. women will not date a guy a second time after he's done his old advertisement shtick. Right. And I say, you've got to give the man the first date. This is what they think they should do. Again, be kind to this person. He's not mean. He's trying to make a connection with you. Be kind. Give him the benefit of the doubt and go out for a second date. And then get in there and ask him questions about himself. And then say something about yourself. But we're all so judgmental. We're all so judgmental on the first dates, aren't we? And we're most judgmental when we're most anxious about our own acceptance levels. How could Jane have fixed me up with Fred? How could she think when, in fact, Fred's a really nice guy, but she's so busy being anxious that Fred might not like her that she wants to reject first? And that's the other piece of advice, I think, Gail, that when someone goes to the trouble of setting you up for a blind date, they're going out of their way to introduce you to someone else, regardless of whether or not the blind date is disastrous, at the end of it, you always say the same thing, thank you for taking the time to introduce me to a new friend. And when I fix people up, I make them both promise separately, and I tell them the other one has to promise it too, that you have to promise to have a pleasant time tonight. I don't care if you never see each other again, but I wouldn't be interested in either of you as friends if you didn't both. You had enough (laughs) to make one evening interesting. And if you can't find that, I'll never fix you up again. 
I think that's a great point of view. I think that if you cannot enjoy somebody for a half hour, a stranger you've never met before, mm-hmm. if you can't find something interesting in every human being out there, enough to keep you interested for a half hour, then you're not putting enough effort into the conversation. And you can learn so much. Let's say that you go on a date with someone whom you know you won't want to date a second time. Let's say she's overweight or he's very overweight. Just something like that. You know this is yes. not going to work on a romantic level. Right. Don't have time to practice and talk, make a connection, and you never know if that person might not fix you up with one of his buddies. Or if that person would become a very good platonic friend for you. That's true. It's less frequent, but it does happen. I think one of the biggest mistakes that uh, single people make, uh, they have a tendency to put all of their eggs into the romantic basket. Every single person they meet of the opposite sex is being judged on one criteria only, and that is, is this Mr. Right or is this Ms. Right, rather than just simply be friendly with people and form lots of friends, both platonic friends and romantic friends, and see where it goes, because it takes all the pressure off of dating. It takes all the pressure out of male-female relationships if you're just friendly with everybody you see. That's true, and you have lots of practice, and you have connections and invitations to parties. Uh, I live in Rome for two months a year, Rome, Italy, and I'm struck with how much tolerance people have for their friends, being weird, unusual, hypochondriac, late, um, quirky. But what happens is people have larger groups of regular friends. I might be going off to dinner with one guy. By the time we get to dinner, there are six of us. We call people up on the cell phone. We all get together for dinner. You hardly ever see just two people at dinner in Rome of the Italians. No, no, no. We're in groups. So we're talking about group dating. Well, it's not necessarily dating. It's groups of friends who know each other. And that way you enlarge your circle and you get to see someone behave when he's not got his sights fixed on you. And that's so telling to see how a guy is with other friends, how he behaves when he's not just there busy trying to charm you. So, so now that we're talking about, talking about Rome, uh, Gail, tell us about those Italian men. Are all the rumors true about them? Well, what rumors have you heard? <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've heard that a lot of women complain about what you were saying, that a lot of men are too shy, especially they say American men are too shy. And, of course, when I lecture to singles in Australia and New Zealand, they say, oh, no, American men are great. The, the Australian men and the New Zealand men, those are the ones that are too shy. But every, all the women seem to agree that the Italian men are not shy. Is that true? They're not shy. However, they are very different from our American men. I have lived in Europe a lot. And I yes. love American men. They are my favorite. I, I never say never, but I don't think I'll ever set myself up with a European man. The Italian men do have this very strong bond to mother. It's good for a man to love his mother. A man who hates his mother will always be a bad date and a yes. bad partner. But right. the dependency and the infantile behavior one exhibits toward the mother at the age of 30 or 40 can be a real problem. Right. And... I think what is most difficult for me with the Italian, well, they are more literate. They've read more. They have more poetry in their veins. They're more romantic. Yes. They like history, literature. They didn't get poisoned with the John Wayne idea of what women like is a guy who says, hey, they're a little woman. Well, very few women <laughs> like that. And masculinity yes. is not measured by how bow-legged your legs are from riding a horse. <laughs> masculinity is, you know, how well do you do in your life? How romantic are you? How graceful are you? That's lovely, and it attracts women at the first blush to Italian men like Matt. However, uh-huh. deeper down, one Italian men are pride, proud, prideful of their uh, infidelities. American uh-huh. men are more likely to be faithful more right. often. And that's yes. important to us women. And now with the 
STDs as everywhere as they are. It's like yes. death for a lot of women. And I've done work with Italian physicians on STD and testing, and it just doesn't happen for men in Italy. They, they just really? have no concept of protecting women from sexual diseases, and they are rampant. So that's Amazing. very dangerous for women. They should know it. And secondly, this is the biggest thing. American men have a sense of optimism that they grew up thinking they could become president. Pretty close. Every man had a little bit of that. Now, in the yes. very poor sections, that's not the case. But in general, Americans have an optimism and a cheerfulness and a sense of readiness to smile. They know they can move up in class if they make money. They can move up in class if they do well academically. European men do not have that sense. The glass ceiling in all corporate structures is very low for men and mm. women, particularly for women, but for men. And there's a sense of, well, you're born into a family in a particular class, in a particular situation that's still very strong in Italy, and there's more cynicism. They think they're more sophisticated, but they're more cynical. American men have a cheerfulness and a, oh, let's go do it, that you find rarely in Europe. So that's something I happen to love about American men. And I what, would you say about, what would you say about French men, Gail? Well, I've lived in France as well. They're much more critical. They're less fun-loving than the Italians, and they think it's sophisticated to be critical and to be cynical. Mm. That's not the kind of person I really like being around, and I have a number of dear French friends, but there aren't many of them who are really fun. They're interesting. But interesting. it's not even cool in, in France to say I'm happy. That's no? not very cool. No, no, no. In fact, oh. there's been a happiness uh, study on how people around the world report happiness. Right, And the researcher said, especially in France, they had a lot of trouble because it's, it's hard to get people to even admit they're happy when they are happy. Huh. It's not sufficient. Now, what, what about Englishmen? What do you say about Englishmen? Um, that's much more complicated because there's such class differences. I think yes. the English are more fun by far than the French. Most people are uh, than the French. But the English have huge class issues that mark them with how they speak English. So they, again, have this sort of stuck in a place. But I think they have more of a sense of fun. Uh, and depending on how much they've been immersed in their literature and their history, which they get much bigger doses of that than we do, uh, they can be tremendously interesting, even people who've had uh, blue-collar education. Yes. As a romance coach, Gail, I know that you uh, teach all of your clients how to avoid choosing the wrong person for a romantic relationship. Can you help us a little bit there? What can you tell our listeners about choosing the right person for romance? Okay, here's an exercise. Name your major boyfriends or girlfriends, three, five of them, however many, and then give each one a separate piece of paper and write down uh, about a four-line description of the person and the quality of your relationship with that person. Distill that now to five adjectives. What was Fred like? What was Maria yes. like? And just lay them out in front of you. See if there are any patterns. Usually, they're very similar, with one that's mm -hmm. complete opposite. Not always, but that's generally so. And then yes. ask yourself, of the one where you repeat this pattern over and over again, let's say your pattern, you're a woman, is to go after very dashing, unavailable men, who, yes. uh, when you get close to them, don't know how to be very intimate. They tend to be cold and distant. And you notice that's come up in three or four of your major relationships. But you're attracted to the dashing, distant man. You think it's, right. it's going to change this time, but it doesn't. So then ask yourself, when's the first time I was ever in relationship with someone who was dashing, 
unavailable, distant, and critical. It's over your adjective. And that'll take you back, usually to your childhood, to your older brother, to your father, and it's a shock. It's a shock for all of us to see that we've been living a pattern that we've been unconscious of. Then once you know it, it's very hard to change it. So you have to modify it and say, next time I meet this kind of guy, it's going to feel like love at first sight again. I'll have this extreme strong connection with him. And it's not because you wanted to have sex with your father, by the way. It's because you Uh wanted the love of your father. And then he becomes the blueprint for you. This kind of man is the kind of man I want to win. But if you're picking one who is constitutionally incompetent to give you the kind of warmth and love you want because he's that kind of guy, you're going to be unhappy forever. So how do you break that pattern? What do you do? It's, it's absolute discipline. I will not be in relationship with a man like that. In one date, you can find out if that's what he's like because you know his pattern. And then you say, I will not see this man a second time because he's one of those. And I will develop a taste for men I have found boring. Who are they? Every other kind uh-huh. of guy. The available, warm, <laughs> fun, nice people in the world. Okay, so we've hit the nail on the head now. We're saying then the whole solution then will end divorce. All we have to do is, is marry a boring person. No, not true at all. In fact, that brings us to a very important point. These people just look boring because they don't have that charge of the kind of guy Uh you've been trying to win. And this is Uh exactly the same true for men. Men have said to me often, oh, Gail, it's terrible. Nice guys finish last. Yes. Not true. Nice, dull guys finish last. Any rogue Uh can take a woman away from you if you're a dull guy. But that's really not what we're talking about in this first instance of breaking your pattern. Yes. It's whoever is not like the one who's been causing you all the trouble looks dull. These aren't dull people. These are tremendously interesting people that attract other folks. You've got to right. learn. A guy who's warm and friendly doesn't mean he's dull. He may be one of the most interesting people on the block. So it's very important to simply refuse to let yourself be with that critical type of person who keeps bringing you down. And... It just takes discipline. You'll never be ready. It'll never be easy until you start developing a taste, tuning your antenna to different kinds of men or different kinds of women. And I know you talk about raising the energy level in a relationship. How do you do that? Well, the the key to me to enduring love, to high levels of erotic and emotional excitement, are considering all relationships as high maintenance. You've got to put, if you want a Ferrari for a car, you can't send it to a lowly mechanic. You've got to send it to someone who knows how to deal with these cars. If you want a really exciting relationship for the rest of your life, ask yourself when you wake up, what can I do that would be really a turn-on, give great delight to the person I'm interested in? Sending flowers is a good start, but find out what kinds of flowers she likes. Sending chocolate is nice, but you don't send dark chocolate to a woman who likes milk chocolate. And this goes back right. to finding out what your sweetheart or your potential sweetheart likes. What are their preferences? Play to those preferences. If you go out on a second date with a guy, ask him what's his favorite color and wear it. Let him know you're interested in pleasing him and going out of your way to please this guy. And if you do that in little things and big things, create exotic dates for each other, create surprises, say, I'm willing to put time in to find out what you like and I want to play to your preferences because I want to have fun with you that's what turns people on when they feel known, when they feel respected, cared about, and flattered. And you flatter someone by giving them their favorite whatever it is. Love tokens are very important for a great sexual relationship. Well, I know a lot of men are criticized as uh, being not romantic or being unromantic. What would you say to a man 
that he could do to be more romantic? Mm, it's my favorite topic. Uh, <laughs> it's absolutely, I like to turn men into Don Juans. And you know it's not hard. It just doesn't take a lot of energy. But when guys think, oh, it's going to be too much trouble or I don't know how to do it, you start with the basics. You call a woman up. You never say you're going to call if you don't call. You never say you're going to call at 9 o'clock if you call at 9.30. Be on time. Be polite. Be courteous. Find out what a woman likes before you first meet her. You're on the telephone with her. You're on the Internet. And you ask her what her favorite color is. You bring her a flower and that favorite color. It's such a message. And then the woman will respond. She'll feel more relaxed. And you start thinking about little things you can do for someone. You find out her favorite magazine, and you send it to her in the in the um, snail mail. You find out that she likes a particular color, and you buy her a scarf in it. This doesn't have to cost a lot of money. What you're saying is, I'm listening. My ears are working. I know. I want to know who you are, and I want to make your life more pleasant and more enjoyable. And the same thing with guys. Women, I think, do very well when they give guys gifts. Not overwhelming gifts, but things that say, I've been listening. I know what you like, and I'm going to make this special for you. Making special is what's romantic. And you can do it on a big scale and little scale, but do it. And do it every time you get together with someone. And you will so stand out from the crowd because there's so little competition. Men are not very romantic these days. Most women are not very romantic. I've got to tell you, we may criticize, but how much do we do for a guy to make him feel special? What other tips do you have for uh, single men and women? What else can they do to have a successful romantic relationship with the opposite sex? I think this is, this is old thought. Write down a list of ten favorite qualities in a man and ten of your least favorite qualities. If you have an Internet uh, profile, say what you do and don't do, do and don't want. Tell people what you're not going to do. I don't cook. I tell guys this. If they're looking for a cook, I don't want to waste my mm-hmm. time with guys who want right. a woman to cook. And say, I love to hike, but I really don't like to water ski, so feel free to water ski, but that won't be something I'm doing. Be honest, be kind, not judgmental. Say, I'm looking for a match. I'm not looking to accept or reject. I'm looking to find someone with whom I would match. And I understand there'll be surprises, and I understand I have to make major compromises. We don't have to make a lot of compromises today. We can all live in our individual dwellings. We all have our jobs, and we don't have to have another person. So we're so picky, and some people think it's a good thing to be picky, but it makes them very lonely and usually fairly critical. So I really think take a look in the mirror, say what you do and don't have to offer yourself, and then accept that on other people. Don't ask for perfection because you will never find anybody who's found perfection, but you will find people who know to light up your life. You mentioned online dating, Gail. Any tips for online dating success? Get a good picture. Most people have rotten, (laughs) crummy photographs, and I think put hundreds of them up there so people see you in sort of different scenes of your life. Gives them a sense of you and movement. And then don't use the word should anywhere. The woman should be like this and she should be like that. That feels just awful. I would like it if she were. Qualities I really enjoy are. Um, What I'm... What I especially enjoy doing with women is, what I especially enjoy doing with men is, and I like to have some separate time or a little or a lot. I have children. I would, you know, say that. And that's important for me that we'll all get together. We'll all get along well. Say what's difficult. And don't lie. 
it's not good to disappoint somebody. Yeah, it's amazing how much people lie online. I mean, uh, the phony photographs uh, 20 pounds ago or 20 years ago, and uh, you know all the married people who claim to be single. It's just amazing how much dishonesty there is on the web. Huge. And you have to, I think, have a number of email exchanges before you even bother with the telephone. And that's a good time to ask the difficult questions. Say, is this really yes. your age? Is this really your weight? That's important to me. <laughs> and if not, you know, that I will consider that an offense if it's not the truth. Uh, yes. I do encourage women to lie like rugs about their age. If they're over 49, <laughs> I say, say you're 49. Yes. And then on your profile, say, we all fudge on our... I've noticed that many people fudge on their, their birth dates. So, yes. would you be so good? I know, as to let me know what your real date is, and if you'd like to know my birthday, I will let you know. A lot of men would rather not know. That's okay. But say, my photographs uh-huh. are current, because many men won't yes. go into the search engine for women over 50. And, exactly. And I've dated a number of 47-year-olds who turned out to be 67 and 68, one with a triple bypass. Wonderful guys. Huh. But that's really yes. too old for me. That's not going to work. And I felt offended that I took an afternoon or an evening to be with them. Yes. Well, we've run out of time now, Gail. I want to thank you so much for sharing. We've really just uh, touched the top of this whole topic here. There's so much more we could talk about. I just want to remind everyone that your website is chooseromance.com. Encourage everyone to check up on that. Also, to buy your book, All About Dreams, which is the classic book in the field. And also to look for your new book. Uh, do you have a title yet for the Well, new I have one, but I'm not allowed to say it because we think it's such a okay. good title and it can be used. But um, if you look on the Internet on my website, what I do is I see yes. people individually, I work with them, and then I'll tell those folks what my coming title is. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you very much, Dr. Gail Delaney. Thank you, Rich. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.